And welcome on into the JR Sport Brief right here on CBS Sports Radio. Ryan Hickey in for JR on what has been an insane, insanely busy Wednesday. The news that has left me more shocked than I've been in years came down at this point about two hours or so ago, and that's the retirement of Nick Saban from Alabama. The greatest college football coach in history has decided to hang it up and now will no longer be coaching at Alabama, which I think does a a lot of things. Puts an end to the Alabama dynasty. I think it puts an end to any dynasty from occurring again in college football now with the new rules being implemented in order to try to prevent dynasties from happening again in college football, NIL, transfer portal. What we've seen from Nick Saban and what he's accomplished, I think is someone, uh, I think is something I should say that I don't think we'll ever see again. And I hope, I really hope that people understand how hard it was for Saban to do what he did and how it is like, we will never see this again. And so now as we start to have reality sink in, that Saban will no longer be roaming the sidelines at Alabama or any other school, and we start to talk about replacements for the greatest coach in college football history, I would argue the greatest coach in modern sports history, it's not as simple as plug and play. It's not as simple as, oh, hire Lane Kiffin, and you're going to continue this insane run of excellence. Bring in Steve Sarkeesian and have the run continue. Hire Dan Lanning and you'll win six titles in the next 15 years. I like Dan Lanning. I think he can win a national title at Alabama. But when it comes to continuing the level of dominance, to continuing the dynasty that Saban has built and sustained for 15 years, we will never see a prolonged run of dominance and excellence Again. And so no one is coming in and having a 15-year run of going bare minimum 10-2. and Making nine national title game appearances and winning six titles. No one's doing it. So I hope we've not gotten numb to the success that Saban has had at Alabama, but throughout his entire coaching career, where we think anyone can do it. And that's why another popular name that's been thrown out there a lot that has been discussed as a fit for Alabama in replacing Nick Saban is current Colorado head coach Deion Sanders. That is the worst hire Alabama can make. We can discuss Lane Kiffin. I wouldn't do it, but... There are some arguments you could make as to why he should replace Nick Saban. We can discuss Steve Sarkeesian, Dan Lanning, hell, even Dabo Sweeney. We can have discussions, and there are points to be made, if you are pro one of those guys, points to be made as why they should and are ready to replace a legend like Saban at Alabama. What I am not ready to discuss 
when I I can't see one positive four is Deion Sanders. That's one where I don't think you can make an argument as to why it's going to work. That would be the worst possible thing Alabama could do. Dion is perfect for a school like Colorado because they haven't had flash. They haven't had sizzle before. So he brings something new to that school where expectations are low and the pressure is also very low. That's where he will say, quote unquote, flourishes. To me, and to steal something from Travis Kelsey, his game day is at the podium. His game day is not on Saturdays. His game day is post-game. His game day is during the week. He is a tremendous motivational speaker. I don't know how he doesn't run out of quotes. I am truly amazed. But he finds a new way to get you fired up and a new way to spin a negative into a positive. He is a tremendous salesman. Tremendous. But that's what he is, a salesman. He sells you that he's a good coach. He sells you that he knows what he's doing. The results don't back that up. And I don't think right now if you are Greg Byrne, Alabama athletic director, looking to replace the GOAT, that you want to bring in his Aflac commercial partner. That, that's not the move. For how hot of a start Colorado got off to, 3-0, and all of a sudden, watch out. Here they come. They're the talk of college football. They were the dominant story of the sport for the month of September. But all of a sudden, why did attention start to wane? Why was Colorado then an afterthought in about middle of October and definitely November? Because they couldn't win games. Because they were a poorly coached team. Highly penalized. That didn't know how to make adjustments. That were, when they did make adjustments, were making the wrong adjustments. I don't think Dion going to Alabama would work whatsoever. I wouldn't trust his coordinator hires. I wouldn't trust his ability to get on the recruiting trail and continue to recruit at a high level the way Nick Saban has. I don't think that is a good fit whatsoever. He was all sizzle, all flash the first month of the year. That's all he is, though. And I don't think Alabama is dumb enough to not see that. He brings a lot of good attention to Colorado, and he's a fun story. He's a tremendous personality. I hope he goes nowhere. I think he's great for the sport of college football. But when it comes to winning and winning big, he's not the coach for you. He's absolutely not the coach for you, especially when it comes to replacing Nick Saban at Alabama. One thing we haven't really discussed so far today, it is Ryan Hickey in for JR right here on CBS Sports Radio. JR will be back tomorrow. One thing we've not really hit on too much so far in the first hour plus we've talked about Saban is why he retired. We could cite the age. He's 72 years old. I think for me the biggest thing was he was tired of re-recruiting kids. I don't think he was tired of recruiting. I definitely don't think he was tired of coaching, game planning, preparing. Like This is a guy who lives and breathes football. And again, he is someone that I thought would be coaching until his health would not allow him to. He just He's not someone who had a lot of other interests outside of the game, aspirations outside of coaching. I Frankly, if he retired, I didn't think he would be able to keep himself busy, to keep himself occupied. 
with all that downtime that he has. That fire is still burning deep, right? He he never, to, to now quote Pete Carroll, right? he never was worn down or tired. That hunger, that fire, that desire to win and be elite never waned one iota during Saban's time. But I think what drove him over the edge wasn't recruiting, wasn't even NIL, wasn't coaching, wasn't the rigors of title or bust every single year. I think the big thing for him was re-recruiting his own players. Because now at the transfer portal, right, you can transfer one time for free. And now with the, I mean, at least the the current rules, is they're in a, a court battle right now. But basically right now, you can you can transfer multiple times without penalty. I think Saban got tired of having to re-recruit kids after they got to town. He is a tireless recruiter. Right, we've seen plenty of videos of him in, in families' living rooms doing the Cupid Shuffle. A guy of his stature, a guy of his success, he doesn't have to be in a kid's living room on a Wednesday night in the middle of March doing the Cupid Shuffle. He does it, though. He goes all out in recruiting and leaves nothing to chance. But I think what really wore him out was once you do all that work to get the kid there, then you got to do equal, if not more, work to keep him there. Like Part of why Alabama was able to sustain a level of dominance that we have not seen across the sport in a long time was because kids would stay. So he would bring in elite recruiting classes. Then they would sit. Like five-star linebackers, five-star defensive backs, five-star running backs would sit for a year two years, maybe three years before they got to see the field because there were future NFL pros, there were first-round picks, there were future all-pros playing in front of them. But nobody left. So when those elite players did end up graduating, you had elite-caliber players, sometimes better players, now waiting in the wings for their opportunity. And so it was just a factory of... You would lose Mark Ingram. Oh, here comes Derrick Henry. You could lose Julio Jones, and here comes another stud receiver. You can lose Devontae Smith, and here comes Jamison Williams, or here comes Jerry Judy. And you would find elite players following elite players that would go to the NFL and be drafted highly. Now, patience is thin. right? So if you're a five-star player, and you sit your first year, and all of a sudden now as you get ready for your sophomore year, well, you're in competition maybe to start, or you still got you know, a stud player in front of you that's not allowing you to play. Most of the time in the old days, those players would sit and wait and then play. Now it's, okay, well, I'm going to hit the transfer portal. I'm going to go to Georgia. I'm going to go to Ohio State. I'm going to go to USC, wherever. I'm going to play right away, and I'm going to still be able to compete for a championship. So now the patience, now the kids sitting there and waiting a year, two years, three years before they saw the field, now no one's waiting. They'll wait a year. They'll see how the landscape goes. But if they're not promised or don't see a path to the field their sophomore year, a lot are packing up and going. And I think for me at least, that's my guess. That's my belief as to why Nick Saban is hanging it up. I don't think he's tired of recruiting. I don't think he's tired of coaching or game planning or practices or structure. 
I think he's tired of having to re-recruit kids on his own roster on top of having to then go out there and still recruit high school kids to come to town. That, to me, is where I think really wore Saban out. Or really, he had the final straw. And look, I hope he enjoys retirement. 72, you accomplished all you could possibly accomplish. I mean, like, what is another national title? You won seven. You got the most national championships in college football history. What's another one going to do for you? You've done it all. You've checked every box. You won. There's nobody doubting you. There's nothing anyone can say to take down the Alabama dynasty. He's accomplished it all. He's done it all. I think now, I think at this point, you just get fed up and say, you know what? What am I doing this for? That's why at least I think Saban has retired. Still, still shocking to believe. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Who do you think right now should replace Nick Saban in Alabama? And what is your reaction to the shocking news we got today? That Nick Saban no longer coaching college football. We are already less than two hours after the news breaks that Saban is retiring, already starting to see the ramifications across the sport. Just got an alert on my phone. Number nine overall recruit of the 2024 class, Ryan Williams, wide receiver, five-star receiver, has decommitted. Has decommitted from Alabama after Nick Saban's retirement and now looks like he will go elsewhere. Maybe recommit, depending on who they do hire as their next head coach. But now you're already starting to see the Saban effect. Speaking of the Saban effect, again, I said it before, when talking about who should replace Nick Saban, we started the show by saying the Alabama dynasty is dead. Like Now that Saban's retired, the Alabama dynasty is officially over. And there's plenty of people right now on social media that are pushing back and saying, Ryan, you're an idiot. It's going nowhere. Bama's going to keep rolling. They're going to hire Lane Kiffin, hire Steve Sarkeesian, hire Dan Lanning, and the train's going to keep on chugging. I hope people understand how difficult, how impossible the accomplishments Nick Saban did at Alabama were and how no one's going to overcome that. I really hope we aren't numb to his success and think anybody could do it. I really, really hope that there is appreciation, but also acknowledgement of six national titles, nine championship game appearances. Again, since 2008, he has not won fewer than 10 games in any season since 2008. And also since that same time frame, Alabama has finished no worse than 10th in the final AP poll. I hope you realize how difficult that is to accomplish and sustain. There is nobody coming in that's going to continue the train and keep it rolling the way Saban had it rolling. 855-212-4227. We got to go to break here, but before that, I see this call on the call screener. 
I may be getting pranked, so let's just see if this is real. And if we get pranked, shame on me. Howard is calling from California. Hello, Howard. Hello, Howard. Hello, Ryan. What is on your mind, Howard, when it comes to Nick Saban? Um, while I'll agree he uh, is an amazing coach, I think uh, because I'm more in the I see the, the Pac-12, but nonetheless, I think what he's a- accomplished has been skewed. And the reason I say that is because... Sorry, hold on. Skewed? Yeah. Okay. Um, the, reason, the reason I'm saying that is because when you, in the past, before we've had all the, now the playoffs are going to jump to 12 teams, before we've done that, Alabama was ranked number one before games were even played. So players knew that if I'm ever going to be seen on the national uh, stage, one, don't go to Pac-12 schools, but two... Um, go go to Alabama. So he was very fortunate, and yes, he was a very recruit, good recruiter too, but he was very fortunate to know that, hey, I'm going to get some of the top recruits because they know they're going to get to play here in front of, and then they always were nationally ranked at the top. So they started right, let me ask you a quick one. question, Howard. Let me ask you a quick yes, question sir. here. Why yes. do you think most preseason polls in any given year had Alabama number one? Well, it's it's very when they do win when they won the first one. I understand the idea that obviously you got to rank somebody as number one. But the problem is, if you do if you rank people as number one even before games again, and granted you have to rank somebody number one, then um, the problem with that is they may or may not, according to their strength of schedule, are going to play people that uh, like Alabama. They would never have some of the top ranked teams from other divisions because they didn't have to play those um, to prove their number you, one. What? So you, what I mean is like if or, let's, they let's play the Oregon SEC, I'm not an sorry. SEC homer whatsoever. I think I, I roll my eyes, but he played in the toughest conference. What are you talking about? So, so well, if we take the Pac-12 this year, just I'm just talking about this year. If we take the Pac-12 this year, in order for some of those teams to really have an opportunity although Washington got in there this year. Yeah, they went to the National Tiger game. I know, but to usually get into the, to that discussion, they'd have to play teams like Alabama and prove that their strength of schedule was worthy of getting into that game um, normally. This year was an anomaly, of course, because Washington oh. went all the way in and were 14-0. It's hard not to put them in there. But usually with one loss, they were never getting in that game because the beginning of the year they're ranked number whatever – uh, because they're in the Pac-12 or whatever division other than... Howard, I, uh, I, I, I got to stop you there. I'm sorry. Thank you for making the call. I, I thought I was getting pranked. I, he was serious, so there's no pranking there. This goes back to my point. For you listening, this goes back to my point before, which is ridiculous to say, but now I have to repeat myself. Appreciate and understand what Nick Saban did and don't become numb to his success. They, Alabama was ranked number one in most years because they had the best team most years. Again, he went to nine national title games starting in 2009. You can start the year number one. You reference the Pac-12, Howard. There, there was a year where Matt Barkley's comeback at USC. They were ranked number one. What did they finish that year? Not number one. Why? Because you played the games and you lost. You can start number one in any given year. We have seen the preseason rankings mean nothing because no one actually knows anything. But guess what? When Alabama was ranked at the top or near the top every single year, you know what they didn't do? 
They didn't fall out of the rankings. They didn't fall out of the top 10. They rarely fell out of the top five. Why? Because they won games. They beat everybody they played. They won national championships. They beat good teams. Why? The the fact that you can't understand why Alabama was ranked number one in most preseason polls, that you think it's luck or just like unfair that they were ranked number one despite having most years the most talented roster in college football, which, by the way, is how the preseason rankings work. It is a projection on who you think is going to be the best. Who has the most talent coming back? Who is supposed to have a big year? That's how the preseason rankings work. And there's a reason why Alabama most years was number one. Because they had the best talent. Because they were coming off a national championship game or national title appearance, or SEC championship appearance. And that, my goodness, I, this is what I'm talking about. Nick Saban wasn't lucky, quote-unquote, or got an unfair advantage that no other school had. Do you know how you gain respect in college football? By winning games consistently. You're a Pac-12 guy, Howard, If Washington continues to make the college football playoff and Washington continues to win playoff games and wins a national title, you know what's going to happen to Washington, Howard? They are going to be ranked number one in the preseason poll. Moving forward. USC had no problem getting respect under Pete Carroll. Why? They won a lot. They beat everybody they played. It's very simple. You win games, you get respect. That is how sports work. So it's not unfair that Nick Saban was number one. He didn't have it easy because he was number one. You have to recruit. The reason why he was number one is because you have to recruit every single day. Like your life depends on it. That is what Nick Saban did. That is the attitude he had and why every single year he had the top recruiting class. He was outworked by nobody. And then in season, made sure those talented teams never underperformed. Again, he bare minimum won 10 games every year since 2008. That is how you gain respect. And that is, I I can't believe we've gone down this avenue today. I thought we were talking about the dynasty for Alabama being over. Who's the best replacement, which I see we got a good call here. We'll get to that here in a little bit in terms of a name we have not brought up so far. Um, In terms of replacing Nick Saban. The one thing I did not think we would be talking about or have to relitigate is the amount of respect Nick Saban deserves for what he accomplished. What are we doing here? I'm not an Alabama alum. I'm not an SEC fan. I have no reason to be sitting here stumping for Nick Saban. But it's common sense. I think Howard's an anomaly in terms of his thinking. But this is what I'm talking about. There are people out there that think that he got an unfair advantage or what he accomplished was not that impressive. My, oh my. Okay, when we return here, it's Ryan Hickey in for JR right here on CBS Sports Radio. There is a good suggestion we have not talked about yet as to who could replace Nick Saban at Alabama. We'll discuss that when we do return. Ryan Hickey in for JR on CBS Sports Radio.
Ryan Hickey in for JR right here on CBS Sports Radio. Nick Saban has retired from Alabama. The name I think Alabama should pursue, the perfect fit to replace Nick Saban going forward, is Dan Lanning at Oregon. That, to me, is the perfect fit. He has SEC ties. He was groomed under Kirby Smart. I think with what he's done right now at Oregon and building them in, in kind of the SECI, if you will, um, big on the offensive, defensive lines, very aggressive coaching style, good at the skill positions. I think he would be an excellent head coach. I love the fact that he already obviously has head coaching experience. For me, number one on the list in terms of replacing Nick Saban, is Dan Lanning at Oregon. 855-212-4227. A name we have not brought up yet. That is intriguing. Vinny in Florida has that one. Hello, Vinny. Hey, Ryan. How you doing? We are hanging, Vinny. Hanging, man. What's on your mind? <laughs> figures that the Maloik, my son's going to be going to Alabama in the fall. No. But, uh, yeah, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm, trying to figure out, I'm trying to figure out why nobody's mentioned Urban Meyer. Oh, Vinny, you were... Or your poor son, six months short. Oh, my goodness. Um, Urban Meyer. I think, I don't think he'd be a good fit, personally. I, I Maybe this is foolish to say. I don't I don't think Alabama's signing up for the off-the-field headaches he would bring. Right. Well, that's, yeah, I was going negative. That, to me, like, he's a winner, and you're, he would absolutely go to Alabama and win a ton. You're right about that, and I like where your head's at. Good luck to your son, Vinny. Godspeed there going forward. Uh, being the first freshman class post Saban, that uh, that stinks. That really does stink. But with Meyer, I just don't think Alabama would sign up for the headaches. Especially, <laughs> this is tough because you obviously want to move past Saban and, and get to the new era. I also think, in a way, you don't want to disrespect him and the program by bringing in someone of Meyer's history, where again he wins. But he also brings a lot of controversy, whether it's player behavior, whether it's coach behavior, whether it's stuff he overlooks or tolerates, that anywhere he goes, he burns out that school. I mean, he burns out himself, and he usually leaves that school marred in controversy. Now, does he win national championships? Absolutely. Ohio State, Florida can attest to that. But he left at least Florida in shambles, and where he left Ohio State, he left it in a good position on the field-wise for Ryan Day but made a mockery for the school in Ohio State on his way out back in 20, um, 2018. And so I just don't think Alabama, with how you've won, not only a lot with Saban, but also winning, uh, winning, we'll say, the right way. Not a lot of controversy, right? Not a lot of scandals coming out from the Alabama football team. I don't think they are willing, nor should you be willing, to sign up for what is right now the Urban Meyer experience. Um, I do want to bring in Rich Ackerman here. Hello, Rich, because I think maybe I'm crazy here. I am sensing, at least on social media, maybe that's a shame on me for taking social media more than more than face value. There is at least a section of the population that I don't think truly understands what Nick Saban accomplished at Alabama and how hard it is to replicate what he did. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And also, just to your point just a couple of moments ago about Urban Meyer and the headaches that come with him off the field, when was the last time you can remember an incident involving Alabama football? That's, I, I, I can't. And, like, 
Top of the head, I can't think of one. I mean, we had Swamp Kings this summer, right, which highlighted his time at Florida. Yeah. And they spent a whole, was it, three-part documentary, I think it was? Yep. Um, on, I mean, obviously the success, but also a lot of the trials and tribulations of off-the-field issues. That's part of the reason why this documentary was made. You're, you're, I can't think of one off the head. Maybe, a, I don't know, mm-hmm. some robbery, a DUI maybe here and there. But in terms of a real scandal, there is not one that comes to mind in 17 years at Alabama, which is very impressive. The next thing I'm going to bring up is think of all the great programs that we've seen you know, over the last 20 to 30 years. Clemson with Dabo Sweeney, Mac Brown at Texas, Pete Carroll at USC. Um, you know, who else do you want to throw in there? Uh, you know, you could throw in a couple, even Lou Holtz at Notre Dame going back that far. How many national titles did they win? And how long was their run for? I'm not saying run of tenure because Lou Holtz had a great tenure at Notre Dame, just to just to name one of, of those guys I just mentioned. But Alabama won and kept winning. They only repeated once as national champions, but he won he won national championships in three different decades, and did it at two different schools too. But the sustained success that Alabama had. Time and time again. And it wasn't like there was a big drop off in the years that they didn't win. It wasn't like they went from, you know, top a top three team or or whatever, top five team till to fifteenth. They were always consistently in the top ten, if not top five. And I, I think that run doesn't really uh get enough credit as you look at it. I mean, just it's just an incredible run that you always knew Alabama was gonna be in the mix and you always had to have Alabama somewhere in your sights, so to speak. You're right. And it's like you look at like Tom Osborne at Nebraska. You look at the the Miami U or the USC, you know, dynasties in the late nineties, early two thousands. To your point, like they were dominant. They won multiple national titles, but also fizzled out and couldn't continue what has been a fifteen year run of dominance. Think about it, Ak. Fifteen years, right? If we go back to when they won the first title in two thousand and nine. He's made just the national championship game itself nine out of 15 years. Over 50% of those years, he is in the championship game with a chance to win the title and went six and three in those nine games, yep. uh, in those nine championship mm-hmm. games. Like, it's like that success we will never, I don't think, see again. And to your point, too, like you said, he won titles over three different decades. But even just look at Alabama, like, he won titles in all different ways. All different styles of offense, all different styles of defense, all different landscapes yep. of college football, one in COVID, NIL, transfer portal. Like, that's the thing. Like, P. Carroll at USC didn't have to worry about players transferring. You know, the U, same thing. Tom Osborne, Nebraska. Like, you didn't have to worry about a lot of the headaches that coaches now have to worry about, which makes it more impressive that you can be at one place for so long, have win at a very high level one way, and then flip it around, adjust on the fly, and then beat basically other teams that essentially their own game in a totally different style without missing a beat. Yeah, it's hard for me to uh, judge Bear Bryant because for as great as he was, for as legendary as he was, and he was at Alabama for 24, 25 years, um, and is probably regarded as the greatest college football coach of all time, I mean, it, I'll, I'll just say this. I'm not going to compare errors, but I think from for for my lifetime – even though I was around when when Bear Bryant retired and and was a successful coach, I think at least in in my in my adult or from teenage to adult years, no questions. Nick Saban. I mean, 
And if you're gonna if you're gonna have the discussion, it's Bear Bryant and Nick Saban. There's no question about that. I you know there there's there's nobody else. And because of that, I hope if you are someone that thinks it's gonna be easy plug and play for oh you'll you'll go to Alabama and continue the run that Alabama and Nick Saban have had. I don't think it's that easy. So with that said, here when we do return, it's Ryan Hickey in for JR right here in CBS Sports Radio. When Nick Saban retiring, two questions for you. Number one, is the Alabama dynasty dead? And number two, who should replace Saban right now and fill the shoes of a legend? Who is the best bet right now to go at Alabama and continue the the success they have had? 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227 at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. Here with the latest CBS Sports Radio update in what is, by the way, semi-Alabama red. Nice sweater there. Almost maybe some foreshadowing. Do you see this coming today? I wish I could say I looked into the crystal ball, but if that was the case, I would have gone to Vegas. I was going to ask for the lotto numbers tonight. I could hit the mega ball and, and retire. That's for sure. It's Ryan Hickey in for JR right here on CBS Sports Radio. Taking your calls at 855-212-4227 with the sudden shocking retirement of Nick Saban. Is the Alabama dynasty dead? Who should replace Saban right now as the next head coach? I'll answer those really fast and get your thoughts. Number one, the Alabama dynasty is dead. It's over. Saban was the dynasty. No coach in college football. You can list anyone you want. There's literally no no coach that's off the table. No one is coming in and replicating the success that Saban had in 15 years, winning six national titles and going to nine championship games. No one's replicating half that in that time period. The dynasty was Nick Saban. Now that he is gone, the dynasty at Alabama is officially over. The coach, part number two, the coach I would call if I was Alabama, my first call would be to Dan Lanning. SEC experience, was a GA at at Alabama in 2015, was under Kirby Smart for four years, who's basically Nick Saban Jr., knows SEC, the rigors, the pressure, Recruiting knows the area, has won a lot at Oregon, is an aggressive-minded coach. I think he checks every box. If I'm Alabama, the first call, and I'm trying my best to make the pitch to get Oregon head coach Dan Lanning to Tuscaloosa in order to replace Nick Saban. So 855-212-4227. Is the dynasty dead? Who should replace Saban at Alabama? Kevin's calling from Baltimore. What's up, Kev? Good, Hickey. How you doing, brother? Chilling, man. What's on your mind? I had to call it. I, I knew this one was going to get you pumped, pumped up today. <laughs> I'm not I really mean, excited, to be he, honest. I'm a little depressed. Like, I like Saban. I, I do. I think we're going to miss him. Even not as non-Alabama fans, we're going to miss him. I agree, brother. I mean, look, you can't replace what that man's done. I mean, he's probably got a harder job than the president of the United States, to be honest. I mean... Every kid, every parent, their aunt, their uncle, they believe their kid can play there, right? I mean, just the amount of people he's had to say no to face-to-face. I mean, the buildup of their fan base, the amount of money he's brought to that place. I mean, that dynasty, like you said, that, that joint's over. Put that in the Hall of Fame. If you're good enough, come there and start a new one, but... you. I love the idea of the Oregon guy. I didn't even know that he had them ties to there. Yeah, he has a lot of SEC experience. Appreciate the call, Kev. Hopefully you're doing well, man. Yeah, he's 
at Alabama for one year, Georgia for four years, was their defensive coordinator for the 2021 national title team um, as well. I think Dan Lanning, honestly, is a perfect fit. He's not running or, or continuing the dynasty. He can win a national title at Alabama without a doubt. But to, I don't think anyone is continuing the sustained level of success the way Nick Saban has had at Alabama. Let's go down to Alabama. Andrew's calling from there. What's up, Andrew? Uh, good evening. Good evening, man. What's on your mind? Um, I think NIL was part of the issue to piggyback off what you said earlier. You know, you got to free recruit the players, but now the players are actually asking for money and monetary gifts and things like that. And you, you didn't have the loyalty of coaches either. Just like the players leaving, how many coaches leave every year? And how many coaches could sustain a dynasty when you're losing four or five coaches and assistants, coordinators every single season? There's no loyalty anymore. Andrew, the the coordinator point you make is a great one. That's something we've not brought up so far on the show, and I appreciate you making it, man. Thanks. That's a tremendous contribution. You're right. Forget about just the kids cycling in and out, right, the college cycle. Uh, Just forget the transfer portal for a second, just the three- or four-year churn. Every single, you know, group, obviously, that, you know, you recruit and then they're gone in the NFL after three years. The coordinator churn, where basically Saban turned into like a – a fired coaching safe haven where you come on as an analyst and then you would come on and maybe get a coordinator role. And all of a sudden now teams would look at you differently because, oh, well, Nick Saban approved, so we got to approve. Then the OC is gone. The DC is gone. Your receiver coach is gone. And anytime a, a coordinator had success, boom, they were hired right away. That is, and we've seen plenty of teams struggle with coordinator hires and struggling with continuity fail to still keep up the level, insane level of success the way Saban was able to do it. That's a great point, Andrew, because you're right. Another challenge I did not mention that absolutely makes Saban's winning more impressive, it wasn't just the player churn and burn. It was the coordinator and coach churn and burn where there was not a lot of continuity on that staff, especially in the last few years. Greg is calling from Alabama. What's up, Greg? Hey, good evening, sir. How are you doing? Doing well, man. Doing well. How are we feeling today? Good, good. Nice. I was just uh, going to throw a name out there that I heard, heard, haven't heard anybody mention is uh, about D'Amico Ryans. Let me ask you this then. Why would D'Amico leave right now what he's got going in Houston? Uh, probably not. I mean, I'm just throwing that name out there. No, it's a fair name, and I appreciate the thought. And you're right, that's not one that we've brought up. I just, and we haven't, I at least have not brought it up today so far because I just don't see the reason or the, um, the allure, if you will, for D'Amico. I know he obviously played there at Alabama, so that obviously draws you home, if you know, if you will. But you got C.J. Stroud. You just won the division in year number one, in which nobody thought that was possible. You have the rookie of the year at quarterback. You got promising young players on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. I don't see why D'Amico would leave. The things are looking very, very promising in the NFL right now for the Texans. They are on the rise, and if you're D'Amico Ryans, you're just getting started. I don't think you're leaving that after year number one to go replace a legend at Alabama and Nick Saban. And also, too, another part of it, NFL coaches, it's a grind, right? It is 24-7, 365. But for college coaching, it's different, man. It's harder. The recruiting, the travel you have to do for recruiting, re-recruiting kids now on your own team to stay with the transfer portal, and two, like, Having to worry about 18- to 22-year-old kids. 
Act talked about it before. When was the last time you had, you know, we heard about a controversy at Alabama? We haven't. Nick Saban did a tremendous job, but it's also 18 and 22 year old kids that do stupid things. We've all been in college. We all don't think. We all think we'll get away with whatever we want to do. Being responsible for the most maybe immature age group in our country. Now, by the way, that they have money, which, I again, I think is a good thing. But if you have players now having disposable income in their pockets, that buys them more opportunity to make mistakes. I wouldn't want to have to deal with the headache of just being responsible for 100, 115, 18 to 22-year-old kids, 365, and having my hair go gray just because of that. So, D'Amico Ryan's, I like the thought. It's just... There's no, I don't see the reason for him to leave right now, the Texans, to go back to Alabama. If you like what you hear, subscribe to the Hick at Night podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E. Check me out on YouTube, Ryan Hickey. It is Ryan Hickey in for JR. Just because JR's not here does not mean the show goes off the rails. It's a Wednesday, which means it's a top six list. We're going to do the top six 2024 college football national title contenders next.